This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is 63 degrees. Some clouds around this morning at 9.04. The forecast for today. National Weather Service is calling for a partly sunny day today and a high in the low 80s. A little heads up for people that are traveling on Interstate 81 and Route 17 today. You might encounter one of those extra large loads to deal with. The New York State Police are providing escort for another windmill blade that's being transported through the area today. It's coming from Onondaga through Cortland to Whitney Point. Another troop is taking over to Dansville. Uh, Interstate 81 and Route 17 expected to be affected by the route. Authorities say give large cargo room if you encounter it. Pass if you must and if it is safe to do so but be very cautious and give a safe distance between your vehicle and any escorts whether they be civilian escort vehicles with the wide load signs on them or law enforcement vehicles they have flashing lights try not to get in between the escort vehicle and the wide load no injuries are reported following a high-speed chase early today on Interstate 81, and that went through two counties. Law enforcement agencies were heard on radio transmissions at 2.40 a.m. pursuing a vehicle southbound from Cortland County into Broome County. The pursuing units reported to Central Communications that speeds were reaching possibly and exceeding 110 miles per hour. Stop sticks were successfully deployed, halting the chase between Whitney Point and Castle Creek just before 3 a.m., according to New York State Police. Broome County Emergency Services officials could not confirm a suspect in custody and no further information concerning the incident was available. A Delaware County man is being charged with manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide in connection with the death of a woman who had suffered a medical event on August 1st. New York State Police say 46-year-old Justin Volk of Davenport is accused of inflicting additional physical harm to 47-year-old Stephanie Volk and failing to call for medical assistance. State Police responded to a home on Pine Cliff Circle in the town of Davenport on August 1st for a reported medical event involving Stephanie Volk. The woman was transported to a local hospital for further medical care. According to state police, Volk died two days later at the hospital. On Friday, the New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigation arrested Justin at his home and charged him with felony manslaughter and felony criminally negligent homicide. He was sent to the Delaware County Jail on $30,000 bail. New York State Police say their investigation into the woman's death is continuing. Anyone with additional information on the case is asked to contact New York State Police at 607-561-7400. WMBF News Time 907. A sports center in Vestal where athletes of all ages and skill sets were able to run ninja courses or practice parkour have suddenly announced it is closed permanently. The Hippodrome in Vestal on Jensen Road posted on social media over the weekend the closure was unexpected. And they say it's out of their hands. The business assured parents that they would receive full repayment of any money that had been paid out for summer children's camps that would no longer be taking place. The Hippodrome Vestal had facilities to allow people of all ages and abilities, including those with autism, to try over 50 obstacles and elements, including some of the same obstacles featured on American Ninja Warrior, as well as structures for parkour, which combines balance, running, jumping, vaulting, hanging, and climbing. 
Anyone who prepaid for a class or camp can email hippodromevestal at gmail.com for information on getting refunded that money. WMBF First News Time 908. A retired captain of the Binghamton Fire Department is being remembered for his long service to the community. Gary Griffiths died July 20th, according to the paid obituary placed by his family. He was 75 years old. In addition to serving with the Binghamton Fire Department, Griffiths was a deputy emergency medical services coordinator for Broome County, an EMT instructor, and an original member of the Southern Tier Critical Incident Stress Management Team. Griffiths retired from the BFD in 2007. Calling hours will be held on Saturday, August 13th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and that will be at the Barber Memorial Home on Main Street in Johnson City. WMBF News Time 909. You know, The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, partly sunny today, a high in the low 80s, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 60 tomorrow. Starts off with some patchy fog, otherwise mostly sunny. A 30% chance of late afternoon showers and thunderstorms and a high in the mid-80s. Friday sunny, a high in the upper 70s to around 80. Saturday sunny, a high near 80. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high in the low to mid-80s. Currently, it's 63. The dew point has dropped below 60. We're at the dew point of 59 right now. That's starting to get into the more pleasant range. It's 9.10, or it's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio, 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio, Bob Joseph with another live local program from News Radio WNBF. 607-772-1290 is the way to get in touch. If you wish to reach out, do so now. 607-772-1290. If you prefer email, Always a viable option, Bob at WNBF.com.
News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. It's Wednesday, August 10th with Bob Joseph. Hi, it's me, or as the guy in that 70s hit once saying, hello, it's me. It is me uh, here in the studio, and let's take a look at... What happened? I want to compare and contrast. We don't usually do this on the program, but uh, the, the newspaper, the Sun Bulletin, I just happen to have it from 48 years ago today. It was a very special edition of our Sun Bulletin on August 10th, 1974. The headline. Ford takes over. Gerald Rudolph Ford Jr., a Michigan lawyer who said he did not seek the office, took the oath as 38th President of the United States yesterday after Richard Milhouse Nixon had to leave early. So that's uh, an interesting historic newspaper from Binghamton, New York. A uh, member of the Gannett Group, 15 cents a copy. Filled with lots and lots of news, including local stories, which, of course, no longer are possible uh, in local paper. Um, now, I'm holding today's uh, Press and Sun Bulletin. Of course, it's no longer 15 cents a copy. And on the front page, no local news. It is 350 a copy. Anyway, just decided to... Uh, Take a look at history here at News Radio WNBF. Oh, it's almost time to take some calls. Remember, we're here live on the radio. Strangely enough, we're live on the radio here on WNBF every weekday morning from noon, no, from nine to noon. So tune in on air or online at WNBF.com. All right, now, let's start taking calls. <laughs> There's so much I could say. But, but, it's time first for calls, and then, then we'll see what needs to be said. Begin with Jim in Shenango. Good morning. Hi, uh... I was wondering why the local police, the sheriff's department, the state police don't enforce muffler laws in uh, concerning vehicles in Broome County. They uh, they go by, or sometimes motorcycles with the radios blaring. Uh, I just don't know why. For decades, this has been going on. Where other parts of the United States, they enforce laws related to loud noises. I don't know what's going on. The, uh, where where do they aggressively enforce these things? What what communities do they where in the United well, States are these things? City. I've lived in Los Angeles. Uh, I go to other towns, and I hear, I don't hear the loud noises that you hear here. It's just... If Maybe there, it's not because they're being enforced. Maybe because people in those towns just don't have as many loud vehicles. I, personally, I, I'm unaware of any community in the United States that puts much effort into enforcing muffler laws or noise laws when it comes to vehicles. I've just not 
been aware of it. If you have any examples, let me know. I just don't. Well, I've, I, I, I mentioned I, I've, I was driving a motorcycle in the '60s in New York City, and I had to put a, uh, you know, I had a open muffler, and I had to put a muffler um, on the darn thing, uh, the stock pipe, and uh, because the, the laws were being enforced. I've right, but that that was half know. a century ago. I'm I'm telling right. you. And by the way, I don't disagree with you because this is a pet peeve of mine too. I hear lots of loud motorcycles at all hours of the day and night. I hear lots of loud trucks with uh, the rude truck operators leaning on their Jake brakes. I'm telling you, the noise, the noise level, because of in, inconsiderate drivers has gone up. Now, as far as whether it's just people being more rude or a lack of enforcement or both, I'm not sure. I just don't know of any community today in 2022 with everything that is going on with the uh, priorities of police. I'm just not aware of any community that is putting a lot of effort into this. I'm not saying there are none. And if people are aware, I mean, whether it's here in the southern tier or anywhere else, um, let me know. I mean, I support your point. I I want the police, every time that somebody drives a a loud motorcycle or somebody whose truck is really loud, or even some loud cars, I I would like to see them cited because I I value peace and quiet. Well, we're in perfect agreement then. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that I think that, uh, for instance, I know the Sheriff's Department bought a V8 motorboat. Now, I don't know, that must have cost a fortune. Now, how often is that used? And has well, it ever been used? I think or it has been used from time to time. Now, um, gee, it was just over a year ago for a, a story. I did go out on the Susquehanna River um, on that boat for a demonstration. And I know they've used it a few times in, in connection with search or rescue operations or sometimes recovery operations, say if uh, unfortunately someone is drowned. In fact, I think it was sheriff's deputies on that boat who were out on a a, a training for a, a training session on the Susquehanna River. I think, unfortunately, they were the ones who discovered the body of a person who had been missing. So it is used on occasion as far as how often it's actually deployed. I'm not sure, but it is one of the things they have if it's necessary for search and rescue and and sometimes other specific operations. Sometimes uh, the river has to be searched for evidence, say, if somebody is involved in a crime and they toss We'll say a gun or a knife or some other evidence off a bridge. Sometimes, I would guess that the that boat would be deployed for that. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with having law enforcement agencies with necessary equipment. But again, to your original point about noise, I, I wish there was a way for the uh, police to crack down. You know what really bothered me yesterday, Jim, and scared me? Not not like really frightened me, but it made me uncomfortable. Uh, Route 17 yesterday, um, I think it was on the on or near the river bridge between the town of Union and the town of Vestal. Uh, a couple of motorcycle daredevils in heavy traffic 
and it was late in the afternoon, fairly heavy traffic sped through between vehicles. That They both came within a few inches of the mirror on my car, and they had to be going, I don't know. I was going, of course, the speed limit, exactly 65. They flew past me, so I would estimate their speed was 90 or 100. And they, they did that going between vehicles late Tuesday afternoon. I was afraid for them. It, the whoosh from their motorcycles traveling at 100 miles an hour scared the heck out of me. So, But what can you do about that? Those people ride their motorized bikes with impunity. Well, I know I got a ticket once in Switzerland (laughs) because uh, a guy, a town clerk, uh, testified against me. He said I was, well, I did make an illegal pass, uh, but uh, they didn't just use the police there. If you were a respected member of the community, and now they got these cameras on the cars, where you could, they should bring it to court, and if you get a license plate or an ID, that should be evidence. So we don't need uh, right. so many sheriffs. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the solution in. is. I guess in the long term, the real solution is for people to start to show some respect for themselves and each other. Appreciate your call, Jim. Good issues, and I I am in agreement. I just don't know what the solution is. It's 923, Bob Joseph reporting from my favorite radio studio of all time in downtown Binghamton. And now, please, a special segment, Mr. Producer. Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. And it is that time on a Wednesday morning when we are joined by Karen Sweet O'Neill. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah. Nice and cool out there. I'm liking that. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm happy as a clam. <laughs> I called James Bob this morning <laughs> on the earlier show. Oh, so, so you know the truth. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know the real truth. Oh, well, that James, you know. He took it. He took it. With good humor. You have to take it with good humor, because mm. if you don't, what's the point? You know, you have to. The, what I've learned even after 75 years in this business, if you don't maintain your sense of humor, what's the point? No kidding. So that's, Walk around grumpy all day. Exactly. So I, mm-hmm. I, go, I come in, no matter what they throw at me, because you know they're always going to throw something new at you just to... As they say, make it interesting. Doesn't bother me. Absolutely. It doesn't bother me in the least. That's good. That's what makes it interesting. Absolutely. Anyway, you have some important information for us this morning. Well, I do. We're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Not the politics of it, not the bad parts, just the parts specific to 
Medicare beneficiaries, and also to people that have to get their health insurance or decide to get their health insurance through the ACA, and those are people that are 65, under 65 years old, okay? So in this act that the Senate passed and the House still needs to pass, and we'll see how that goes, um, it's going to allow Medicare, number one, and this has been on the table for a long time, to negotiate, Bob, drug prices um, with these pharmaceutical companies. Very, very important because, as most people know, the prescription drug medications, especially if you're on a specialty brand um, or just a plain brand name, not a generic, they can be very, very expensive. And the co-pays are also very expensive. So in order to lower that, Medicare's got to be allowed to negotiate the drug prices. And also in this bill, there's an out-of-pocket cap with people that are on Medicare, and this is just Medicare beneficiaries. The out-of-pocket cost for someone that has prescription medications and spends at least, at least (laughs) uh, $2,000 a year, that will be their cap. Now, for some of these meds, Bob, that's one dosage. That's how incredibly expensive uh, medications can be, especially if you've got a chronic condition or a condition that requires a lot of these cancer medications. So that's very, very um, advantageous to people that are on Medicare. Now, the people that aren't on Medicare, and that's, of course, millions of Americans, and they're not on Medicare because they're not eligible yet. They're younger than 65 and they choose whether they're retired or they got laid off or they're not covered through their employer to go through what we call the ACA, which is also referred to as Obamacare. Now, for people in that category, there are subsidies depending on your income on how much the subsidies will help you out with paying your premiums. So it used to be that let's just take, for example, you made um, $60,000 a year, okay, and you're single and you're with the ACA and your premium, and your premiums can be, if you don't get a subsidy, by the way, Bob, in that category uh, for a major medical, mm, probably eight $900 a month. Well, that's a pretty big premium. So for people that qualified, For a subsidy, they might pay maybe $500 a month because with those numbers that I just mentioned, you're not going to get a huge uh, premium subsidy, okay? But with the COVID experience that we had, and obviously we're still going through it, but they put in place a provision with the ACA, with Obamacare, to reduce, or excuse me, to extend the um, subsidies provided during that COVID-19 pandemic. What does that basically mean? It means they put into place higher income levels so people that couldn't afford or didn't get a subsidy before could actually take part and get a lot of premium help with their health insurance coverage. So people that didn't qualify before if they didn't know about this, they say, oh, you know, I make too much money, I don't qualify. And we're talking about upper middle income um, people. So middle income and upper middle income, go back to the drawing board and, you know, find out if you do qualify for a subsidy because that $800 a month could go as low as maybe $300 a month. So it's really 
advantageous to look into that and see if you qualify. So with this bill, what it does, Bob, is it just extends those higher premium subsidies through the ACA. So we'll see, you know, going forward how that pans out, if it truly does indeed pass in the House. And we also, I was going to just mention, is we're taking a lot of phone calls and we're making appointments for people that unfortunately are getting long-term care insurance premium rate hikes, and the rate hikes are pretty exorbitant. But sometimes the brokers or the agents that sold them the policy, they're no longer in the business or they retired or moved or whatever the case may be. So we call them basically their orphaned policies. Well, now they have an opportunity to get some help with those five- and six-page um, rate increase letters that they receive from these companies, these long-term care companies, and you can't make heads or tails out of it, and you might pick an option that's not in your best interest. Give us a call. We'll make you an appointment. We'll bring you in, and we will call the company together with you. We have all the companies, and we will negotiate and, de- and determine what's your best option to keep your coverage because you paid for it all these years, but hopefully negate that price increase or at least reduce it a little bit. So we're doing a lot of that as well. And if people would like to contact you today? They can give us a call. We're at 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up. And we also are right up on the parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East. And you drive right up to us. We're right above Plato's Closet and Style Encore. All right. Well, I might pop in. All right. Always good to see you, Bob. All right. And always good to speak with you. We will talk again in a few days. In the meantime, please continue to enjoy the summer of 22. I shall. And you too. (laughs) Thank you. Karen Sweet O'Neill, live right here on News Radio, WNBF, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM. And the best way to stay connected is using the free WNBF app. More calls coming right up. Get in line now. 607-772-1290. News Radio Documents. Put them all in the what toilet. You gonna do? What you gonna do when they come then call Jimmy Reuter. Good morning, you're on. Good morning, Bob. I hope that uh, music wasn't uh, for my introduction, Bad Boy. No, it's for that bad boy, Bad Boy in Palm Beach. Oh, I got it. Hey, 
Uh, I, w- I want to know, you're in a position to give me an answer to a question. Does does Kathy really have a cat named Walter Cronkat? I don't know if he's with us any longer. She used to, oh. but I, I may, my guess is, unless he's now 35 years old, I, I don't believe Walter, Walter is still with us, but he, he, he was the real deal. Oh, okay. She mentioned him in a commercial, I thought. Well, then maybe he's still with I don't know. I, I, I haven't actually spoken with her about, about her kitty cat. Yeah. Or kitty cats, um, I should you, say. Do you know they call her cat? Do they? She said Kathy? so. She said so. Really? I don't, but I call her Kathy White, but she said some people call her cat. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, she, she uh, by whatever you call her, she's a, a great gal. Yeah, and she's got a great love for animals, as do we all. Oh, oh yes, that I know. I've, I've walked with her at uh, some d- dog walks in the past. With her uh, big dogs, her um, you know the uh, greyhounds, yeah, so yeah. wonderful experience. I like uh, I like greyhounds, day. but I I can't afford greyhounds, so I usually just go with trailways. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you get that that special uh, special price there. That, that's I have to more. say, the humor this morning is really not that good. I I wouldn't be surprised if this this could be the final episode based on. Well, based on the overall content so far. <laughs> well, I'll, maybe I'll push that along because you were talking about motorcycles, and I just wanted to say that when I'm on my bike, I never ride with impunity because I never have anyone else on my bike. I ride so long. They were chasing some dude. See, the police don't like this when I say chasing. The police would say they were pursuing some dude who also had a passenger on his motorcycle. And I, I think they finally got him. But, you know, i got to tell you, no, no, I think they finally gave up. The problem now with law enforcement officers, one of the challenges they face is, say, if you see somebody, as similar to what I mentioned what happened yesterday on, on as they say on TV, Highway 17, I was on Highway 17, and, uh, you know, the, the two motorcyclists, daredevils, sped through at what I estimated to be about 100 miles an hour between vehicles. But say if um, state trooper or a sheriff's deputy or a Vestal police officer on Highway 17 actually witnessed that, the the odds are that they wouldn't, they wouldn't actually choose to pursue those people because um, of of pursuit restrictions. Because th- these days there's so much concern that a pursuit will end in uh, injury or death, whether it's the person being pursued or somebody not involved, that um, there are very strict guidelines about when a pursuit can, can be done. Yeah, but Bob, what, what if they were riding, what if someone was going on Highway 17 and clocked at 119 miles an hour. They, they'd have to, because that's the record. They'd have to. Well, they, the, you know what I'm thinking about her? That, and this probably, I don't believe we've ever addressed that particular situation with respect to that uh, errant motorist. I would say the one, the one thing, positive thing, I believe, that can be said about her being clocked at 119 miles an hour in the town of Nichols on a Sunday is 
it appears, based on all the accounts I'm familiar with, it appears she did immediately comply. So I, I, I think because she was driving a late model uh, Cadillac Escalade, and I believe after the trooper clocked her at 119 miles an hour and attempted to pull her over, I believe she complied almost immediately. So I, I must give her um, kudos for that because not, not every motorist uh, actually complies so quickly so the, the truth is if say she continued driving at 119 miles an hour to get to elmira the odds are the trooper would not have pursued her for long because that's uh it's a flimsy excuse uh, you know for somebody just uh, violating a speed law uh you you might still get called on the carpet uh, because if it ended badly say if she crashed her late model cadillac escalade and she died you know, you would have a lot of explaining to do, so it's better to break off the pursuit. Well, I think it's interesting that uh, on her rear bumper, she had that little sign that said, eat my dust. I think that uh, that probably, uh, they could have thrown the book at her just based on that. <laughs> well, you know, again, somebody told me that um, confidentially, they said, I think, Bob, you, you truly have misjudged her character, and just because this particular episode received a lot of publicity from the media um that uh, she really isn't that bad so i i don't know that remains for me to find out once we have dinner saturday oh well are you around uh, nichols or elmire where you're meeting her <laughs> oh that's just oh that'd be great can you imagine the paparazzi you know small town radio boy has dinner with high-profile cable news star. The paparazzi would run wild. I'm not going to disclose where our dinner is going to be. I, I already have said too much. Maybe now we'll reschedule it because the paparazzi will be calling every highbrow restaurant in the tri-state area finding out where I have reservations. Well, you see it a little differently. I would say uh, it's a second-rate TV host has dinner <laughs> with top-notch radio person. Oh, you're too kind. You're too yeah, kind. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really buttering up. Hey, I did want to. I did call about something "quote unquote" serious. Um, you know, if you go to the doctor and a doctor uh, says, "You know, we did all the tests, we did all of the blood work and everything," and you have a very serious uh, illness, and you say, "Doc, what are my chances of making it?" and he says, "Well, I'd say fifty-fifty." Well. You wouldn't feel probably too good. Fifty-fifty. Uh, that's not what you want to hear. Uh, you know, Bob. You know, we have a country right now that is fifty-fifty. I mean, we just had uh, some a law enacted, some legislation passed where uh, the vice president had to have the deciding vote in a fifty-fifty Senate. Uh, so that's not uh, a great thing. Uh, and in this context, uh, look at uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid, if you will. And uh, I think this, that if uh, we better find out that what the Justice Department was looking for and maybe what they found is really compelling information, compelling evidence, possibly dealing with national security. That is what they're, what they're looking for in Trump's uh, 
place, that it uh, should be compelling and deal with national security. Uh, well, otherwise, I think we're setting a dangerous precedent, precedent to going uh, after uh, presidents who have finished their term. What will happen next in the 50-50 country? Will the uh, Republicans, if they get the presidency, then go after the Democratic? We're, we're, we're in a bad state here. And uh, so all, the, the point I'm making is it better be big or else we've started something that may have uh, a future really bad effects in the future for us politically. What do you think? I agree. Okay, that about wraps it up. All right. I appreciate the call. And, uh, of course, remember, I am not going out to dinner with anyone on Saturday. The plans have now been adjusted. Bob, you can't hide this from us. I mean, <laughs> you know, what I recommend is people tune in Monday because you never know who my special guest might be. I'm putting it on my calendar. <laughs> Circle that in your radio guide. It's 945 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. The show. Some call it a show, I call it a program. Most of all, it's a mission. Every weekday morning, 9 to noon, 607-772-1290. Or send your email, bob at wnbf.com. Tired? What? The bad boys are still... Come on, man. Couldn't get it right, could I? It's Bob Joseph live on a Wednesday morning on NBF. Time was drifting, this rock got to roll. So I hit the road and made my getaway. Beverly in the town of Dickinson, good morning. John in Binghamton. Good morning. Hey, Bob. Uh, if you want to know how crooked uh, New York is, uh, the court system, uh, Yonkers Times uh, about an hour ago put up a wiretap of uh, Judge DeFiori when she was district attorney uh, trying to... Uh, there's a guy named Galagano, which was her uh, campaign finance chair, and uh, they had a wiretap on somebody, and they're talking about putting in the fix. Uh, it's it's interesting just how crooked uh, the court system is in New York. Now, most people that are never in court, they may go a couple of times in their lifetime, and of course, to the average person, if they get a favorable decision. That's all they want. But if you look at the courts as a branch of government, which it is, and you look at the despicable people uh, that we've had, you know, not only in Westchester County, and this goes back to, you know, many, many decades, uh, but to the judges that we've lost around here, uh, you know, you you uh, come to the conclusion that it's not the best and the brightest, that it's uh, the crookedest and the uh, people that are willing to 
Uh, violate their oaths of office. As I said on uh, Tuesday's program, the cream sinks to the bottom. Yeah, that's that's very, very correct. Now, just one thought on the Trump raid. Uh, and the distressing thing to me uh, is that the, uh, I guess they're Palm Beach County Sheriff's deputies that were assisting or uh, lining the perimeter uh, I think that has to be checked into, and this this is a question in our own sheriff's race, because you have federal dollars and armored personnel carriers and all kinds of crap coming into the sheriff's department from the federal government. Uh, I, uh, I don't believe they should have been there uh, in any capacity whatsoever, and I think Ron DeSantis should have called in the National Guard and should call in the National Guard. Uh, to prevent uh, any other uh, federal law enforcement from ever entering uh, Trump's home again. Uh, you know, this is a, a, a serious thing, and if this, as they, they say, I think we're in for another June 6th here, anybody that would go to Washington to protest in front of the FBI is on a suicide mission, and a personal suicide mission. This looks like another big setup, another big invitation to out Trump supporters. But the, the, my well, the, the main thing is all Trump supporters who obey the law have nothing to worry about. But the as <laughs> as the uh, insurrectionists from January sixth, twenty twenty one, discovered, if you break the law, there's a possibility that you want, might might wind up. Going to prison, the possibility is slim, but eventually, if if you do something that's egregious enough and raise your profile, they might come after you, like all police agencies, local, state, and federal, because they want to make an example out of you. Well, and you see how this is fanning out to now the Congress. Now, uh, when, it, when are Kenny and Stefanik going to, uh, when are they going to have to surrender uh, their phones. Oh, now Claudia Tenney is never going to be required to surrender her telephonic device. Come on. Well, it happened once yesterday. So. I don't think any member of Congress will will have to surrender their uh, oh, phones or, or their computers. Guy. No, a guy guy surrendered his phone. The, the FBI Who? Came a member of Congress? Sure, sure. Last night. I, okay, I missed it. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I I stand corrected. Um, yeah. You know that's so. that would be troubling. I'll have to um, uh, catch myself up on that. I find it unless the, with the caveat, unless there was very, very, very strong information or evidence that they were involved in criminal activity. That because again. Say if a member of Congress ultimately is involved in uh, drug trafficking or money laundering or selling weapons illegally or something like that, then I, I would say law enforcement certainly ought to confiscate their devices. But if it's you know part of, dare I say, and excuse me for using this phrase, if it's part of a witch hunt, then I I cannot condone that. I cannot support any anything of that nature, John. Well, what I'm getting at is this. Uh, local, support your local police, and that means local. 
and the most important law enforcement officer in the county is the sheriff's race. And we need to know where the sheriff candidates stand on this issue. Uh, are they going to assert uh, their jurisdictional rights, the oldest public office, or are they going to uh, succumb to the federal authority? That's all the time we have. We've got to take a news break. More coming up right here on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. What a difference a day makes. Right now, 65 degrees instead of approaching 80 for this time of day. The dew point is at 58. That is now in the comfortable range. And we got a little bit of a breeze out of the northwest at 6 miles an hour. Gradually becoming mostly sunny today and getting up to the lower 80s. You might find a very large load going down the highway near you today. New York State Police are providing some escort services for another one of those big windmill blades that is being transported through the listening area. We were given the understanding that it was coming from Onondaga through Cortland to Whitney Point, and another troop is taking over in Dansville. 8117 may be the route for this big apparatus. Remember, if you are on the highway and you see an oversized load, whether it be a windmill blade or anything else, give the cargo room. Pass if you must. Do so safely if you can. Then you can pass. But be very cautious. Give safe distance between your vehicle and any escorts, whether they be the civilian escort vehicles with the signage on them or law enforcement vehicles with flashing lights. You can find out some more tips about dealing with large loads on the roadway on WMBF.com. We had a story back in July about that. The body of a Johnson City man has been pulled from a gorge in Tompkins County. New York State Police are investigating the death of the 39-year-old Broome County man whose body was pulled from Tonkanic Falls Gorge. Several media outlets, including an article in the Ithaca Voice, as well as reports from New York State Police, say the body was recovered in a difficult situation. It was a complicated effort with responders over a very rough terrain, and that was going on on a Monday morning. The Trumansburg Fire Department, law enforcement, and medical crews all called about 8 a.m. on the 8th with a report of a body seen lying in the gorge at Tonkanic Falls State Park. Units had to deal with limited access to the gorge area, as well as the large elevation drop and that was over very rough terrain in order to recover the body in a five and a half hour effort new york state police this morning said the johnson city man's death is being listed as a suicide the man's name is not being released and will not be published out of respect for his family anyone in need of emotional support or who is considering suicide is urged to seek help the national suicide prevention helpline three digit number is now active nationwide people can just dial 988 to access assistance. The attempted murder trial of a Colesville man accused of shooting and wounding a New York State trooper in June of last year is dragging through its second week. Jason Johnson is accused of shooting trooper Becky Seeger, while his father, David Johnson, is also on trial, accused of evidence tampering. According to the New York State Police accounts from the incident, authorities were called to a check-the-welfare request in a report of a suspicious person in the area of East Windsor Road and Thornhill Road at around 8.30 p.m. on June 9th. Concerned callers had reported a man 
drawing in the middle of the road. When troopers and the Broome County Sheriff's deputies encountered the man, the suspect opened fire with at least one round striking the trooper in the hip. Another trooper was wounded in the arm by shrapnel. Johnson was arrested following an over 20-hour manhunt. Meanwhile, Johnson's father, 64-year-old David Johnson, who was out of town at the time of the shooting, was arrested almost a month later and charged with evidence tampering. He was accused of rearranging clothing and evidence in a cabin that had been used by his son. The elder Johnson pleaded not guilty September 9th, 2021 in Broome County Court. Jury selection for the combined trial started on August 2nd. WMBF News Time 1008. Owego police say they have arrested a Newark Valley man on several charges, including felony tampering with evidence. Authorities say 28-year-old Sean Marshall was allegedly in possession of drugs when he was pulled over at a traffic stop. In addition to the felony, Marshall is facing several misdemeanors, including possession of a controlled substance, criminal use of drug paraphernalia, and driving without a license. He's also charged with possession of packaging material and drug paraphernalia, driving an unregistered and uninspected vehicle, and in Proper license plate. He was ordered to appear in a Wego court at a later date. A third case of monkeypox is being reported in Tompkins County. The health department announced yesterday a resident had been diagnosed and all local close contacts had been identified. Those who had close contact with the patient will monitor themselves and keep in touch with the Tompkins County Health Department for 21 days from the date of exposure. At the end of July, Broome County announced its first uh, case of the contagious virus that has spread through close physical contact. Tompkins County Public Health Director Frank Kruppa stated regarding vaccination, given the current limited supply, available vaccine is being prioritized for high incidence areas and for confirmed high risk close contacts. He said to date, reported Tompkins County's cases have had no local high risk close contacts, so vaccine has not yet been offered in Tompkins County. WMBF News Time 1009. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast gradually becoming sunny today, a high in the low 80s, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 60. Tonight, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms, batchy fog showing up toward morning, and we will have for... Thursday, a high getting up into the mid-80s. Friday, sunny, a high in the upper 70s to around 80. Saturday, sunny, high near 80. And Sunday, mostly sunny, a high in the low to mid-80s. Currently at 65 in Binghamton. It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WNBF, the high-flying radio show that everyone loves. Get your ticket punched. Enjoy our frequent flyer discounts. Some restrictions apply. Of course some restrictions apply. Come on, man. Get real. You think we're going to offer frequent flyer discounts and access to the WNBF lounge without some restrictions? You can't use the lounge more than two hours before your scheduled departure. Come on, man. Bob Joseph, trying to serve the public and give you the very best listening experience on News Radio WNBF.
jet airliner. That's what we like to see. We like to see lots and lots of big old jet airliners in the future. Whether it's in Binghamton or anywhere else, joining us now in the studio is the commissioner. Hi. Welcome, Commissioner. Hi, Bob. I'm happy to be here in the very, very exclusive WNBF lounge. It is very posh here. I love it. That's because you're part of our... Yes, um, what we, yes, the elite, the, the elite. WNBF elite group. Well, I'm honored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you've, yeah, let's see, I think you qualify to be part of the WNBF elite group after you've done at least 10 studio interviews. So. Well, I think, I think we're, we're just about there over the past couple of years. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's been a while, though, since you've been in here. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm glad we're, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be, uh, you know, with you this morning and talk a little bit about aviation and airports. And by the way, so your official title title is Commissioner of Aviation yep. for Broome County. Yes, sir. All right. Now, I haven't been up to the airport lately, but uh, I know some people who have. Uh, give us, first of all, see, as commissioner, you should have an official address, you know, in January of every year, <laughs> state, state of the airport. Give us sort of an update on where things stand. Uh, talk about a tumultuous time. In any industry, of course, every industry was uh, was seriously affected by the pandemic. But commercial aviation in the United States and worldwide uh, took a, a tremendous hit. Things are are starting to come back, but still, post COVID, mm-hmm. things are continuing to evolve. I mean, let's face it: uh, a lot of uh, pilots, a lot of support personnel. Uh, retired, mm-hmm. or in some cases, because the airlines had no idea how long the turmoil would last. Some some encouraged some of their best pilots. Hey, why don't you, why don't you retire early? Because yep. we don't know. Even after the pandemic wraps up, we don't know how quickly business will recover. Well, business is recovering, and we've seen uh, certainly some problems in some U.S. airports and, mm-hmm. and certainly in European airports as as overall the system works to adjust. So give us a, a sense of where things stand with the greater Binghamton Airport. Well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there. I, as far as the, a very tumultuous past two years um, for for the aviation industry. I mean, I, I think back to the last really difficult time in aviation. You know, there was a difficult time right around 2008, but 9-11 really was the last really big event, and this lasted a lot longer than, than the 9-11 event has. I mean, it's had those rippling and crippling effects on uh, different airlines. You, you touched on it, um, pilot shortage, uh, pilots, mechanics, and staff. There is enormous shortage, um, and that's because, like you were you were saying, they offered early retirements, um, a, a great antidote is um, uh, Delta offered uh, a, uh, early retirement to some, some of their pilots to kind of stave off the uh, losses they were having um, in July, I think, of 2020. And they were expecting about 800 pilots to take their that early retirement. 1,800 pilots took it. So you, you basically you, your, your normal pilot can fly about 40 hours, give or take, um, a week. So they went from expecting about 32,000 hours to be taken out of their pilot system to 72,000 hours just with the drop of a hat like that. So it was it, 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 the airlines haven't expected the um, recovery to happen, you know, in earnest until 2024. So that's kind of the, the target that the airlines were looking at. So that's kind of what we're looking at industry-wide. So from the start of pandemic in 2020 to 2024 is, is really the true recovery that, that is being targeted. Another factor, and many people may not really consider this, 
to replace pilots is not something that can be done easily or quickly or inexpensively. You can't just say, uh, you know, pick some random people, you yeah. know, people in their mid-20s or maybe around 30 off Court Street. Hey, would you like to become a commercial pilot? It's not that easy. I mean, there are... Of course, you have to go through rigorous training. Mm -hmm. Then you need to get flight hours. You mm -hmm. can't just say, all right, I've got the training. You know, where are the keys? It's it's one of those things. It's a, it's a very, very specific system before somebody can even get onto the flight deck and then ultimately rise through the ranks. Absolutely. It takes, takes time. It takes energy. It takes diligence. And I suspect many... Many air travelers don't know anything about that. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things you hear um, in my industry in, in aviation is fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred. You know, you hear the fifteen hundred hour rule, and that's what the uh, pilots they have to reach fifteen hundred just to get in the right seat of the plane. So, for those of you out there listening, um, the right seat versus the left seat. Left seat is a captain. The right seat is the co-pilot. Just think of your car. Um, and so just to get in the right seat, uh, it, you have to have 1,500 hours, which, you know, it doesn't sound like a huge, un insurmountable uh, amount. But for every hour that you get, you have to have, you know, two to, two to five hours of prep time. So you got to think about 1,500 hours uh, is um, over half of a, of a full work year of a uh, 2,080 hours. So that coupled with actual paying to do the flight hours, it's, it's a very, very, very uphill battle. It's very difficult for pilots to um, that that pilot base to be uh, re rejuvenated and, and regenerated. And of course, pilots might be the most visible part of mm -hmm. the system, but there are so many other components: flight attendants, mechanics, Absolutely. other support personnel, and many of them either were furloughed or on their own went into other industries. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it, people made a lot of life choices, not just people involved in aviation. A lot of people reevaluated what they wanted to do during the pandemic. So all those things still contribute to some of the challenges in, in oh, yeah. getting the system back to something approaching normal. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an avalanche of difficulties. Um, and uh, there's so many things in the industry that, that rely on one another. So when you take one component out, you're, you're scrambling to get those that component back. I think, you know, everyone faces the fuel costs. You know, fuel, fuel has risen tremendously over the past couple of years. And that trickles straight into the airlines. Now, airlines buy a lot of fuel, but... Um, they they also have segment costs that have gone up because they've had to pay their pilots, crews, mechanics more. So, you know, you're not going to get those cheaper fares as often. You'll still get them every once in a while, and you'll hear everyone, I got this, you know, $40 fare one way. That's fantastic. But it might not be as commonplace now or in the future because those segment costs have definitely gone up. And then finally, the, the business community, which is your traditional higher revenue um, flyers, they're they're not flying nearly like like they used to. Um, actually, you've, we've seen an industry tremendous shift in the industry over the past year, where it's been a lot more leisure and a lot less business. It used to be a lot more business flying um, and a lot less leisure. So it, that that actually has kind of shifted. Um, so you know, your leisure travelers have more time to go find cheaper fares. They have more time to do their research because they know they're going to be taking a vacation and. 
two, three, four months. So it, it, it they, they do a little more research and they find things that are uh, more beneficial for them. And the bottom line is for business travelers, if they have to be in Seattle or Los Angeles mm-hmm. or Chicago for a meeting, it's they don't have usually much flexibility at all sure. and uh, in a lot of cases they can't plan that far ahead so it's a i have a meeting i know i need to be in los angeles say for a, a meeting monday morning at 10 so you might have to book travel now whereas vacation yep. travelers could say oh well, i'm flexible if if i can't book uh, a flight next week or next month. Maybe I'll take a vacation around Thanksgiving exactly. or, or, or or later. Um, so it is is challenging. The other thing too, of course, I think a lot of businesses during the pandemic started to employ uh, Zoom meetings Absolutely, with such yep. frequency or or an upgraded version of Zoom. So it's you know I, I mean I've seen some of the conference rooms of some of our bigger employers around here, and it's almost I mean it's not not exactly the same as meeting in person, but it's pretty darn it's close. close. Yeah. And then it's it's convenient too because you don't have your key personnel, mm-hmm. your managers out of place. Say if if you have uh, managers from Endicott who are in a meeting in. Oh, I don't know. We'll just say Fort Wayne or, or yeah. Nashua, for example. I mean, you know, that's time that they're away from the plant when when they could be more productive. So Absolutely. there certainly is uh, an increased reliance on, on virtual meetings. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I think I think that has a has a huge um, part in the recovery for both uh, airlines and um, businesses. I, I, one of the really cool things that we enjoy that we don't really know that we enjoy in our area is we have a lot of airports near us that you can get to relatively easily. Um, so that's why we tell our, our customer base, our, our community, just just check the fares. Like if you don't fly BGM, we, we understand, but check the fares because sometimes you can get a really good one. Um, but we we enjoy that so much more than other places in the country, uh, and and that's one thing we we generally overlook is there's a lot of really good options in our area for w- whatever travel you want to do, and and we also have really great ground transportation. So you know that's that's definitely a thing that we talk about all the time with with Delta. Um, we talk to Delta at least um, their their scheduling team. We talk to them at least once a month. We're constantly throwing ideas out there, listening to what our our um, our community is saying, hey, we'd like this types of flights, and we suggest that and go back and forth because, you know, while while we know what we want from a Binghamton perspective, Delta knows what they want from a giant, you know, nationwide and even worldwide, and they're trying to make everything fit. So sometimes we don't always have the biggest seat at the table, but we we our voice is heard by them, which is really pretty amazing. Now, uh, with respect to current scheduled service at Greater Binghamton Airport. Uh, where do things stand? I know everybody everybody says, oh, please bring us more flights. And it's not as though Mark Kiefner or uh, the county executive or anyone else, or for that matter, Governor Hochul, or for that matter, Joe Biden or yep. anyone else, nobody can say, oh, well, Binghamton wants more flights. Here's all you have to do. Exactly. It's, it's far more complicated than that. So currently there is just a single daily flight that's mm-hmm. being offered at Greater Binghamton Airport by Delta. Yeah, and, and we're fortunate to have that that the flights that we do um, going to Detroit. You know, I, I hear a lot of times, oh, I don't want to go to Detroit. Well, 
Detroit's the biggest Midwest hub for Delta, and 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 they've got it runs like a Swiss watch, and, and that's what a uh, a gentleman from the West Coast uh, runs an airport in the West Coast. He, he's worked at, at Detroit. And he said, "Man, it runs like a Swiss watch there. Like it is just a good airport." So we're very fortunate to have that. And I mean, what's what's kind of cool is we, when we talk to Delta, we we suggest different flight times, and and we we're always asking, "Can we get that second flight back? Can we get that third flight back?" Um, so they do listen to us. Uh, our, our biggest push right now is, is if we can't get additional flights, we want a larger plane. You know, and and so that what way we equipment? Can have what equipment currently is being used for the the Binghamton flight? Right now, it's a CRJ, um, which is a, a regional jet two hundred. Um, nice plane, very nice plane, very quick, very speedy. You're in. You're Where's that made? Brazil. Uh, CRJs, I think, are made. They're they're made all over the United right. or all over the world, but assembled, um, I think, mainly in Brazil. Right. Um, and we're, what's the capacity? Fifty seater. Yeah. Um, and what we're trying to push for is a CRJ seven hundred or CRJ nine hundred, which is you know your your uh, sixty five to ninety seat aircraft. So if we can get a bigger plane, that means we can have more seats and lower prices. So that's that's definitely something we're pushing for. But of course, for people not aware of one of the biggest concerns of aviation or airline executives, they want each plane to be as close as possible to 100% filled. So it's certainly a lot easier to have um, planes flying into and out of uh, Binghamton Airport getting in the 90% or close to 100% Mm -hmm. if it's a 50-seat plane as opposed to a 70- or 90-seat plane. And I can certainly understand with um, Delta having to decide where to allocate their aircraft within their system, you know, which which routes are ultimately going to provide the, the most efficient use of the equipment they have. Yeah, it's it's equipment, it's pilots. I mean, you know, since they have less pilots, they, they need to use them very, very wisely. I mean, we look around us, and, and unfortunately, uh, our neighbor to the north west Ithaca lost another flight as well with American Airlines. Um, so they're going to be losing them, yeah, I think, either this month or they lost them already. Um, and, and it's just unfortunate because uh, my heart goes out to their airport director because I, I know that feeling. I mean, it's gut-wrenching, um, and it's difficult to get it back once you've lost it. But I think we're, we're starting to employ some strategies that will set us up um, differently, and, and we're looking at doing things a little bit differently than, than airports have in the past um, to recruit new service. Um, one of our biggest uh, pushes right now is to get leisure service. Um, I, it's, it's going to be winter soon, right? <laughs> Before we know it, uh, people, newsflash, uh, it, <laughs> yes. will be, it will be winter in upstate New York. And, and people will want to go to a warmer Florida. climate. Yeah. So that's one of the one of the biggest things that we're pushing for is uh, we, we've talked to a lot of airlines. And um, one of the biggest ones in, in the news right now is the merger between Spirit and JetBlue. And there was a, um, a lot of back and forth, whether it was going to be JetBlue, whether it was going to be Frontier, who it was going to be with. Um, so they're on our radar. Both, all three of those airlines that I just mentioned, they're on our radar, and we're on theirs. Um, and there's some other ones. Uh, that are up and coming or new, um, and then some established ones. So we're, we're we're doing a lot of different things, and I got to give my hats off here to the county executive and the Broome County Legislature. They're 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 such fantastic um, champions for air service. They they want new service. They want to continue to push, and they're coming up with different ideas. And we brainstorm a lot together, and it's it, it's very encouraging to do that 
as a group rather than on your own. So, you know, the, the airlines see that and they understand, wow, your community is actually pulling together, whereas other communities are like, yeah, well, this person wants this and that person wants this and conflicting ideas. So it's, it's really uh, very encouraging. So what goes through your mind every time a merger announcement is made? I mean, I know what goes through my mind um, for you as uh, as a commissioner in a county the size of Rome with uh, an airport that's already uh, in the view of, of many people not not receiving the service we think sure. we deserve. So with co- ongoing consolidation in the industry, what do you think every time you see one of those news headlines? I look at it a little bit differently. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, there's one less airline. I look at it as more of an opportunity because it, it allows me to talk to an air an airline that has just merged and is going to look to increase their footprint. So I look at that as, as, as an opportunity for us. And then every time something like that happens, somebody's got to feed the larger the large airlines. So there are some small airlines that are coming online with daily service that we can um, really start and establish service. So like I said earlier in the, in the program here, um, airlines are expecting full recovery in 2024. So we really have a year and a half yet until – you know, give or take maybe two years until a full quote unquote recovery happens. So if we can get on with a smaller airline now or in in the near term future and show established service and show that we can we can you know put people on planes while the it, it technically is still depressed um, in in the market, then when it fully comes back, we can walk into those Americans, those Uniteds, those Deltas, and say, look, this is what we did while the recovery was happening. And now that you're recovered, let's let's talk bigger airplanes. Let's talk more frequency. So I look at it as an opportunity. It's 1031 WNBF. We're talking aviation and the Greater Binghamton Airport with Broome County Aviation Commissioner Mark Kiefner. So there is so much focus mm-hmm. on commercial aviation. I think most of our listeners tend to think of the airport Again, if they're going on vacation, or in some cases sure. they need to make a, a um, an unscheduled trip, say if um, a loved one is sick or someone has died right. in in another community, or if for business, but there's still other activity that goes on oh my gosh, at the yeah. airport every day of the year. Absolutely, it's it's kind of really encouraging to to look at our um, overall operational numbers, and that's something that we look at from an airport perspective. How many landings, takeoffs, um, how many touch and goes that are happening at the airport for the users themselves. This morning, this morning when I was coming um, uh, coming here to the studio, I watched three different planes take off this morning. Um, two were doing flight training, and and that to me is really encouraging because. You know, we're helping with that. We're helping solve the problem from a Binghamton level of the pilot shortage. You know, there there are people out there, you know, flying and wanting to fly. Um, we're on track to hit our 2018, 2019 numbers as far as um, in 2022 for overall operations. It's it's really really encouraging. Um, in 2019, we had about 14,000 operations, so 14,000 uses of our airport from a plane itself. Not not like. You know, um, I got on a plane, you got on a plane, and our friend got on a plane together. It's just the plane landed or took off. So we're actually on track to hit that number again. And that really shows the strength of our airport. Um, You'll see, like, medical flights coming in. You'll see military flights coming in. And I I always get the phone calls, Bob. What was that? I heard a loud plane. I'm like, hey, that's the military. And 
our airport's big enough that they want to use it, and our approaches are good enough that they want to use it. So when I talk to an airline about service, they're like, well, let me talk to you about your approaches. I'm like, hey, you know what? The military uses it. And they're like, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us. So, you know, like I said, I hit on the flight training, and that's one of the really cool things that our airport can offer, um, being on top of the mountain. We, we are able to offer a different type of flight training than you would fly, in, say, in Florida. Uh, where it's sunny and all you have to do is dodge, you know, a couple of thunderstorms here and there. Well, up here you got to hit every single type of weather, and our pilots are really, really experienced. And then the other thing is, general aviation um, is is a not very large publicized area. I'm talking anything from a you know G six all the way down to a, a Piper Arrow that can fly people back and forth. Uh, we had somebody fly in from Toronto last week um, to do business. In Binghamton, because the airport is in Binghamton, they're able to clear customs in Binghamton. Like that, that's a really cool thing that our our community gets to boast. Somebody flew in directly just to do do business and then flew back out. Like that, that's really cool. That doesn't really get advertised because generally those plane owners don't want to be in the public eye. But without this, this airport in our backyard. They wouldn't be coming to Binghamton. They'd be going to name your other community that does have an airport. So it, it, it's really encouraging for us to see general aviation kind of pick up the slack where commercial aviation um, is lacking. Do you fly planes? Yes, sir, I do. When's the last time you flew? Oh, it's probably been five or six months. Um, it's it, it's been well, let me let me put it like this: it's been way too long. Um, I love flying. The freedom of, of of being in the air and being able to really. It's a feeling unlike anything else I can I can really describe. So um, it's just it, it's a fantastic opportunity, and I will say for people that are like, man, I'd like to give that a shot. I, there are two flight training operations at at um, Greater Binghamton Airport. Give them a call because I know they do introductory flights and stuff like that. It's it's a fantastic opportunity. What type of plane do you? usually fly well me um i'm generally in a cessna 172 so a four-seater um you can squeeze five five little people in there but you know for me it's uh it's just big enough and it's it's a nice little plane to fly so when did you get your pilot's license how old were you oh uh i want to say i was eight 17 or 18 years 18 years old i think is when i got my pilot's license so what prompted your early interest in Flying. Oh man! Uh, now, now, we're, now we're now we're digging out memories. Uh, therapy session over here with, with Bob Joseph for, for uh, uh, me. Um, I was actually 12 years old when I took my first flight. Uh, I was in a bush plane in Canada, and the pilot let me fly. And now I realize, like as I'm older and I've I've flown enough, I'm like he wasn't really letting me fly. It was just not letting me screw. Like made sure I didn't screw sure. something up. But boy, it, it was it was like it was like getting bit. I, I, I was like I'm hooked. You got me. Let's go. And that's all I wanted to do um, from then on out is just be in aviation. Yeah, it has to be such an exhilarating feeling. I I love to fly as a passenger, and I've talked with people, and they say, Bob, you have such an interest in aviation. Why don't you learn how to fly? And I say, well, I may do that. Several people in in the last few months have said it's not too late no it's not too late you can you can start flying anytime um call up doug goodrich for goodrich aviation or um joe rizzo at aero techniques up at the airport and man you, they'll, they'll hook you right up i want to talk to my friends over in Owego at lockheed see if they have any of those vh-71 <laughs> helicopters i, I wouldn't like know to... anything about those things <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you got a gag order on me for yeah, that stuff exactly you better, you better not even Whisper under your breath. Yeah, that's, that's when trouble starts. But <laughs> but can you imagine just 
Yeah, I mean, just, uh, oh, I don't know, one or two mornings a year. And it's Bob Joseph up in the VH-71 traffic copter. Coming, coming to you live. It's like, <laughs> everything looks fine. No, no, James, everything is fine on the 201 and at the 1781 split. I guess I have to head back to Owego now. I don't want to. <laughs> and the cost of the flight, you know, it has been... Eighteen thousand five hundred seventy dollars, <laughs> right. but I'm I'm sure we'll find find someone who will write this off. There you go. So uh, one other thing that we didn't touch on about the the airport, you you still have a lot of people who work mm-hmm. at the airport in all different capacities. At any well, right now with the current level of operations, approximately how many employees? Does the airport have? I think overall for the for the entire campus, we're we're still probably right around between full time and part time. You're probably probably talking sixty to eighty jobs, um, which is a kind of a surprising number when you start breaking it down. In my head, I'm sitting here doing okay. We've got you know fourteen TSA members that you know are all there. We've got air traffic control that does their training, so they're anywhere from. I think 10 to 15 people, depending on who's in there for training at, at any given time. Um, we've got customs. We've got uh, uh, First Air, which is the FBO. We've got our uh, Department of Aviation team up there. Um, so, I mean, you start adding it up, and it's like, wow, there, there's a lot more businesses up here than I, than I realized. You know, like I mentioned, the two do flight training. Um, there's a mechanics uh, shop up there. Um, so there's there's a lot of activity that the public just doesn't see because we're kind of up on the hill and, and, and in the trees, if you will, so most people don't get to see that. So air traffic control, mm-hmm. the tower, though, is no longer an active control tower, right? Oh, no, it's definitely an active control tower. Yeah. Oh, I so, thought the operations got shifted. Well, so there's there's two components to the air traffic control tower. There's um, what's called TRACON, which okay. is terminal radar. And then there's the actual control tower facility itself. So the actual control tower facility itself is staying. So, but Tracon has that been switched down to? Um, They're working on the switch. Um, the coronavirus uh, was supposed to actually um, coronavirus delayed it a good okay. bit. Um, so I don't think they fully switched yet. Uh, they took operations from Elmira, from uh, Binghamton, and consolidated. I think even Ithaca and consolidated it, um, or are attempting to consolidate it in uh, Scranton Wilkesbury um, because they. they have the newest tower out of all of us so they were like let's go to the new place <laughs> in the end with that transition do you believe it makes i mean obviously binghamton and elmira like having having the operations mm-hmm. here but do you think that consolidation as it eventually happens do you think ultimately it's going to make any significant difference i see i i, I don't know if um i don't i don't really have a stance on that. I don't think, from the user perspective, there will be a difference whatsoever. I, for, from me, from my airport perspective, one, I hate seeing those jobs go. Yeah. Like it, it's it's heartbreaking because you're talking about sixty to eighty thousand dollars jobs that are leaving our right. area. And credit to Senator Schumer and um, Jodebrand at the same time. They they both were were fighting against that. I mean, it was kind of like fighting against the tide, but they still fought that battle. I mean, it came all the way down to local level. Um, uh, County Executive Garner and Chairman. Uh, of Broom County Legislator, they were fighting against it too, as far as you know, trying to trying to reverse that and keep the jobs here. But I think at the end of the day, as long as the aviation um, system is safe, we, we want to do what's best. 
and what's safe. Um, so that's that's kind of how I look at it. I know it will continue to stay safe. I mean, our aviation system is the safest in the world. Like, And, and that's kind of crazy to think about because there's a lot of planes flying all over the place. There's a lot of technology out there. But, man, the United States has just such a great track record of safety. Well, and Thanks you know, to, to training and, yep. and cooperation with, with pilots and air traffic control. I mean, it's it's fascinating to me. You know, it doesn't doesn't happen excuse the phrase it doesn't happen by accident exactly you know it's exactly the, the way very intentional the way flight operations uh even at at smaller regional airports to the the busiest airports jfk or lax mm-hmm. it's uh, it's remarkable what goes on and you know if people are interested just do some research because you if you don't already know you'll be impressed mark keefner broom county aviation commissioner thanks for being with us thank you very much bob this this lounge is incredible <laughs> your two hours are about <laughs> up it's ten forty one, live and local from the wnbf lounge in downtown binghamton if you're Ten forty-four. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up to say goodbye, but the dawn is breaking. It's early morn. He's waiting, he's blowing his horn Already I'm so lonesome I could cry So kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go It's time to take a flight Let's go back to the phones. Bill from Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good. I uh, sent you a text the other day about frustrations over uh, the Binghamton Code Department. In, in about a month, either on your program or on what what we used to call a newspaper, Mayor Cram uh, gave his think on how he's going to uh, address absentee landlords but he just addressed on the west side, and they're all over the city. So hopefully he'll include on his next broadcast or his next blurb in the paper that he's going to have it uh, throughout the entire city. But here's the process for people like myself who've been dealing with code for the last six months. You call code, and to the gentleman's credit, he's very knowledgeable and uh, he's very uh, easy to talk to and to spread information. Once you call code and you report the violation, a code officer has five to seven days to go out, verify there's a violation. That officer then goes back to the office. He has to research who owns the property. In a lot of cases, it's the absentee landlord, so he has to find out where in Brooklyn do they live. Then they send a letter to the owner that depicts what the violation is. The owner then has between seven to 10 days to reply. After that period of time, a code officer goes back out and sees if it's been taken care of. 
If it isn't, they send a second letter. And the second letter has seven to 10 days for the owner of the property to reply. After that time expires, if nothing is done, then code sends a message to either the Parks Department or DPW to put on their schedule to go out and clean up whatever the violation is. And that takes another seven to 10 days. So the message to people who are listening today who have the same issues with absentee landlords or people who don't keep up their property, it takes 30 to 45 days minimum to hopefully see any results. All right. Well, that's good to know at least about the process. And people, uh, they don't like to hear it, but people need to be patient and try to, you know, keep their fingers crossed that the process ultimately will work. I think the patience is probably a word people need to have, but it's when it's a recurring problem on the same property, I think patience has gone out the window a long time ago. And that's the trouble with a lot of these properties. They're recurring ones, uh, and as the, the mayor so indicated, the, the multi-unit properties that are over on the west side, which there are a lot, Walnut, Chapin, in that area over there, yes, uh, they overload them with uh, people who do three, four people to a bedroom. Da, da, da. You probably read the article. If you, I don't even know if he's on your program talking about it. But uh, it, it's frustrating, Bob. Very frustrating. Understandably. I appreciate your call. Take care, Bob. Thank you, Bill. It's 1049 News Radio, WNBF. Bob Joseph, live with you. On a Wednesday morning, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM. News recording. It's 1053 WNBF. Dave from Vestal. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah. Yeah, good morning there, Bob. Hey, you know, i, I got to let you know, I, I've seen this commercial. I think it's new. I've I seen it twice this morning, and uh, pretty comical. Um, it, it's paid for by the Democrats. It's for the Democrats. Um, they're talking about the Republicans and how you don't want to go back. That's exactly what we want to do. Think back. We were doing much better going back. They're saying it's time to show which side you're on. Um, if Republicans are voted into office. They're going to dial back all our progress. When I heard that, Bob, I almost fell out of my chair. They have to be embarrassed to put up a commercial like that. After all, they destroyed the border, uh, our energy, fossil fuel, our crimes up 500%, uh, weakened our military, uh, especially with the vaccine mandates there. That's hurt us there. Uh, inflation, borderline recession, destroying our schools. I mean, what? Is the progress? I, I must be missing something, Bob. Maybe, maybe that guy that used to be a liberal activist, disguised as a mayor, maybe he can call in and let me know all the progress they've made because I see nothing. I see great progress. Uh, gas prices have come down more than a dollar. 
in the last couple of months. I think it's 57 or 58 days with gas prices plunging across the fruited plain. So that is progress in itself, even though Putin continues to aggressively wage war against Ukraine and the rest of the free world. So we're fighting somebody like Putin. We're dealing with trouble in China. We're dealing with North Korea and Cuba. Next thing you know, we're probably going to have trouble with our neighbors in Canada. I mean, things are challenging, and thankfully, we have a great team in place in Washington. (laughs) Bob, that's a good one. Boy, you are a comedian half the time. You're pretty good at it. Great team, huh? Okay. Well, it's a team. Okay, I stand corrected. We have a team. We have a team in place in Washington to monitor the situation. There, I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand corrected. Yes, there, a team is in place in Washington to continue to monitor global de- developments and take action if they think they can do it. More coming up. Don't touch that dial. Bob Joseph, WNBF. I was. Fi- it's eleven o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio twelve ninety WNBF. Here's Kathy White. A more reasonable day for humidity and temperatures for our area today, mostly sunny and a high in the low 80s. No injuries are reported following a high-speed chase early today on Interstate 81 through two counties. Law enforcement agencies were hard on radio transmissions at 2.40 a.m., pursuing a vehicle southbound from Cortland County into Broome County. The pursuing units reported into Central Communications speeds reaching and possibly exceeding 110 miles per hour. Stop sticks were successfully deployed, halting the chase between Whitney Point and Castle Creek just before 3 a.m. New York State Police were said to be among the agencies involved in that pursuit. Broome County Emergency Services officials could not confirm a suspect had been taken into custody, and there was no further information concerning the incident available early this morning. A Delaware County man is being charged with manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide in connection with the death of a woman who had suffered a medical event on August 1st. New York State Police say 46-year-old Justin Volk of Davenport is accused of inflicting additional physical harm to 47-year-old Stephanie Volk and failing to call for medical assistance. State police responded to a home on Pine Cliff Circle in the town of Davenport August 1st for a report of a medical event involving Stephanie Volk. The woman was transported to a local hospital for further medical care. According to state police, Volk died two days later at the hospital. On Friday, August 5th, the New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigation arrested Justin at his home and charged him with felony manslaughter and felony criminally negligent homicide. He was sent to the Delaware County Jail on $30,000 bail. New York State Police say their investigation into the woman's death is continuing. Anyone with additional information on the case is asked to contact the New York State Police at 607 561 A sports center in Vestal where athletes of all ages and skill sets were able to run ninja obstacles or practice parkour has suddenly announced it is permanently closed. The Hippodrome in Vestal on Jensen Road posted on social media over the weekend the closure was unexpected and they said it was out of their hands. The business assured parents that they would receive full repayment of any money that had already been paid for a children's summer camp that will no longer be taking place. 
The Hippodrome Vestal had facilities to allow people of all ages and abilities, including those with autism, to try over 50 obstacles and elements, including some of the same obstacles featured on American Ninja Warrior, as well as structures for parkour, which involves balance, running, jumping, vaulting, hanging, and climbing. Anyone who had prepaid for a class or a camp can email hippodromevestal at gmail.com for information on getting a refund. A retired captain of the Binghamton Fire Department is being remembered for his long service to the community. Gary Griffiths died January tw- or July 20th, according to a paid obituary placed by the family. He was 75 years old. In addition to serving with the Binghamton Fire Department, Griffiths was a Deputy Emergency Medical Services Coordinator for Broome County, an EMT instructor, and an original member of the Southern Tier Critical Incident Stress Management Team. Griffiths had retired from the Binghamton Fire Department in 2007. According to the obituary, calling hours will be held this Saturday, August 13th, from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. at the Barber Memorial Home on Main Street in Johnson City. In Pennsylvania news, the House panel investigating the U.S. Capitol insurrection has interviewed former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and met briefly with Pennsylvania's Republican nominee for governor, Doug Mastriotti, as it probes Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Pompeo is among several former cabinet officials the committee wanted to hear from. Mastriano appeared less than 15 minutes and questioned the validity of the process, according to his attorney. Mastriano helped organize efforts in Pennsylvania to submit alternate electors beholden to Trump. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today, a high in the low 80s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the low 60s. Sunny tomorrow, a 30% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, and a high in the low 80s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Good morning, this is Bob Joseph. The third hour of the Bob Joseph Extravaganza continues right here at News Radio WNBF. I think I'm in trouble. No, I know I'm in big trouble. Can you do the? Can only do the best you can, right? That's all I can do. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Doing the best I can. Sandy from Port Dickinson. You're on the air. Sandy, Mike from Binghamton, you're on the air. It's 1110 News Radio, WNBF, 607-772-1290. I mean, of course I'm in trouble.
Donald Trump taking the fifth. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Same Donald Trump who uh, said, basically, when you take the fifth, that's not good. Well, Donald Trump has taken the fifth, and now who knows what's next. Uh, apparently, the ketchup-covered walls are starting to close in on the former guy, and who knows what the end game will be. Who knows what uh, ultimately he'll do next. Now he's taken the fifth. He never was impressed by people who took the fifth, and now he has because apparently... There are some issues with the questions that are being posed. According to the latest, and this is from the New York Times, he invoked his right against self-incrimination during a deposition that the New York State Attorney General's office had hoped would be a turning point in a civil investigation into his business practices. That's according to the New York Times. Um, The Times, in its latest Dispatch on this fast-breaking story calls it a stunning gamble in a high-stakes legal interview that is likely to determine the course of a civil investigation into his company's business practices. In a statement released shortly after the questioning began this morning, Mr. Trump said he would invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination explaining that he declined to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. The Times story says after the deposition began, two sources with knowledge of the matter confirmed that he was refusing to answer questions, citing the very popular Fifth Amendment. For the last three years, Attorney General Letitia James has investigated whether Mr. Trump and his company improperly inflated the value of his hotels, golf clubs, and other assets. Mr. Trump has long dismissed the inquiry with Ms. James, a Democrat, as a partisan witch hunt. I once asked, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? That's what Mr. Trump said in his statement this morning. Now I know the answer to that question. He said that being targeted by lawyers, prosecutors, and the news media had left him no choice. But according to the Times, there are other reasons Mr. Trump may have decided not to answer questions. The Attorney General's inquiry is civil, and she cannot file criminal charges against the former president. The Manhattan DA's office has been conducting a parallel criminal investigation into whether Mr. Trump fraudulently inflated valuations of his properties. Any misstep from the former president in his deposition could have breathed new life into that inquiry. And that's one of the problems. Prosecutors prosecutors are very well-trained in how to ask questions. Very, very specific questions. They ought to be hosting a talk show and interviewing elected officials because they know how to pose the very best questions, which oftentimes will elicit the very best answers. Unfortunately, we know, we know 
that if you're involved in criminality, sometimes the very best answers cannot help you. And sometimes, as the ketchup splattered walls are closing in on you, your attorneys will advise you, don't answer that question. Invoke your Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. All right. The walls are closing in. Vic from the Forks, good morning. Taking the fifth, Bob. How are you this morning? I am well, thank you. All right. Now, I, I don't blame Donald Trump for taking the fifth. As a matter of fact, even a layman would recommend him after what they did to General Flint, after the Russian collusion, and all the other bullshit that they... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. All the other bull that they uh, 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 put down through, uh, all of the unfunded, unfounded, you know, like the, the prostitutes that pissed on his bed in, Georgia, in Russia, or the uh, Russia collusion, or or Stormy Daniels, all that stuff that they they could never prove. And didn't Stormy Daniels have to pay him back? I don't recall. All I'm saying is the optics aren't good. He certainly has the right to take the fifth. In fact, if I were advising Donald Trump from this point on, if anybody asks him a question about anything, including the weather or his golf game, take the Fifth Amendment. Don't take a chance because the walls are closing in. And nothing, I'm inclined to think, nothing he says in answer to anyone's question, whether it's a prosecutor or a reporter, I don't think any any answer is going to help him at this point. Yesterday, Hannity on his show showed a memo that came from the FBI that said we need to trap uh, Flint, General Flint into a lie so we can prosecute him. But, you know, and, and that's easy to do when you're in a position of power like that. No, it's Look, the bottom line is, when it comes to federal investigators, they're very proficient at, at um, continuing questioning and then finding discrepancies from the statement you made today or comparing a statement you made today to a statement you might have made a month ago. And look at, sadly, the, the late Senator Tom Libis. He wound up being convicted of a felony. He had been accused of not telling the truth to the FBI. So bottom line is, bottom line, if you're going to be answering questions from federal investigators, take the fifth. You're exactly right, because what they did to Flint, he lost his home and everything. And the memo said that they were going to trap him in the lie. And when you're in, when you're in charge of national security, there are some things you do, you know, that you cannot tell the truth on because it wouldn't, you know, it would just get into national security uh, business. And I, I don't know exactly how they did it, but you're very right. They're proficient on blackballing people. Our government has turned against the people of New York and, and, and people against the people of the United States. They, you know, 83,000 uh, uh, IRS employees when 24% of the people who get audited make less than $22,000 a year. Yeah, it's crazy, Bob. Uh, Well, the bottom line is, no matter how you slice it, the IRS 
doesn't have enough people, and it has very old technology. So whether you believe it or not, um, more money is needed for the Internal Revenue Service to upgrade their operations so they can do routine things more efficiently and you know clean up the mess. Now, as far as whether they need more agents who are going to go after people for tax crimes, um, well, people can argue that. I personally think nobody should be breaking tax laws, but apparently my view is not popular. I think the IRS should be disbanded. What do you mean? You think the IRS should be disbanded, and then how is this country going to be funded? Uh, Well, this country would be very well funded if we didn't give it all away overseas. Answer. You didn't answer the question. There are essential operations that must be provided by the federal government, including paying for the nation's defense. How would it be funded without the IRS? Well, we have some basic taxes in place that, that would fund it. And that, that is what, what basic tax would fund the federal government if we didn't have the IRS? Explain to me the basic tax that would fund all the necessary agencies of the United States government. Let me finish and I will. Well, answer that question right now. Answer the question right now, what... What basic tax will cover the cost of providing necessary federal government operations? Several of them. Several of them. Okay. Property tax. Okay. List taxes. Property taxes. Property taxes don't pay for the federal government. The property taxes pay for local governments or school districts. Now, tell me. Just name one. Don't name several. Name one specific tax that is going to cover the revenue that would be lost from the federal income tax so our necessary U.S. governmental operations could continue? Uh, That's a whole different question. No, it's the same question that I've asked uh, multiple times now. I'll give you one more opportunity to explain how this country could possibly operate without the IRS or maybe an agency with a different name but the basic mission that would see to it that taxes are properly paid. Well, Bob, the laws that are written in place to collect the people's wages tax and things like that, um, and property taxes, those laws, and, and even the gas. So now you want property taxes to pay the federal government. Our property taxes are too high as it is. Bob, the reason our taxes are too high is because we're giving billions of dollars away every other day overseas to people who don't deserve it. The way our taxes are so high is because we have to build a military to defend ourselves and defend, I don't know, 27 other countries that won't defend themselves. Well, you know, we have people who've given up their life, which is the highest tax you can pay to make America what America is, and they are being spit upon every time this government does what they do, Benghazi, Afghanistan, every single time. And people got to start listening, and they got to, you know, I hate to be the one to say this, Bob, but... We fought a whole entire war because of the Boston tea tax. It wasn't just a tax on tea. It was a tax on everything. And right now, if those same people were alive today, 
We'd be fighting another war, and we should be fighting a war right now because our government's supposed to work for us, not against us. Our government's supposed to represent us, not themselves. And that's what we got in government today, government that doesn't give two shits about anybody. All right. The government does the... Hey, it's the government that uh, we put in place, and the government has to be supported by taxes, and some agency is going to have to enforce the collection of the taxes because voluntary compliance only goes so far. It's 11.23 at News Radio WNBF. Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Yes, good morning, Bob. Um, boy, Vic. <laughs> yeah, hey, take, a, take some chill pills, man, like maybe a bottle hey, worth. Vic. Yeah, hey, Vic, I love your passion, man, but, you know, you kind of twisted a lot of things. Well, I love his passion, too. If everybody who called into the program was passionate, that'd be great. But, you know, keep everything in proper perspective and also work on on, uh, truthiness. Well, that was my point, because of all those uh, examples he gave of Trump, he forgot one big thing, and that was our democracy with the voting. And that the, our, your votes didn't count, and that it was fraud, and that the, the, the count in Pennsylvania was wrong, and the count in Arizona was wrong, and the count in uh, uh, Georgia was wrong. That's a big part right there that you left out completely. You left that out completely, and that's what a lot of these hearings are. Everything that you saw on that raid with Donald Trump down there in Marlago, he brought that on him himself. Nobody else. That was his fault. Now, as you heard, they were down there in the spring. Same thing. And they said, hey, listen, they probably said, hey, listen, there's a lot of stuff missing here. Where is this? Where? And so they went back in and got it. And so let's wait and see what happens. But I don't blame the government. I don't blame him at all. They, had, they never did it to um, Obama. They never did it to George Bush. They never did it to Clinton, Reagan. They never did it with Dick Nixon. Exactly. Okay, this guy thinks he is above the law. It's that simple. I'm above the law. I am the Teflon president. I can do anything I want. If you listen to his lawyer who spent 30, 40 years with this guy, he goes, this is the way this guy is. Narcissist, man. And it's right there in front of you. But you don't want to see it, which goes to my point. Why should Bob, what we talk about um, um, transparency, why? People only want to see and hear what they want to hear. No, I, I heard the whole taxes thing, and that's it. Look, at somebody's got to pay for something. Okay, why are taxes going up? Well, because bread's not the same price. It's not a nickel anymore. Things go up. Now, I understand about how we, boy, I tell you, Dick, though, he did say something interesting. Our wasted money in Benghazi and, and, and the war, but I don't know, man. Some of the Republicans, I don't think they'd agree with that. I don't think they would agree with that at all. Because the, the whole Benghazi thing and all that kind of stuff. Hey, what can I tell you? That, it, you know, I, I said the same thing. I didn't say about spending money in Benghazi, but how they went after Hillary Clinton and Democrats in Benghazi, too. Oh, and my the goodness. Thing with, so the thing with Hillary Clinton, that's enough to be, yeah. oh, that should have been investigated. Because that, that, sounded, that sounded so, so over the top. Yep, and and uh, so I think you know that that's one thing. So we'll just I think we'll just wait and see. 
See yeah. what happens. Well, time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. The process is moving forward. The walls are closing in, but that doesn't mean anything necessarily bad will happen to them. Absolutely. And, Bob, one more thing I just want to say about uh, Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> oh, Governor, look, there's a time and a place, man, all right? So I, I just think just just be quiet because I'm, I'm still upset, mad at him and how he ruined his brother's career. When his brother tried helping him, he should have said, he should have said, Chris, you're my brother. I love you. But listen. I got mine, man, okay? I was governor for many years in New York State. I got mine. You're just trying to build your career now. So stay out of this. I love you. Just stay out of it. I got it. But he didn't. And look, at he's he's gone. His brother's career is gone. So I just, so even, you know, the, the FBI demands to come out now. Just, 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 just be quiet. Okay? Enjoy your life outside of, uh, the, the 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 governorship now. Yeah, and, leave uh, us alone. Just leave exactly. us. Leave everyone else alone. Live the rest of your life in a peaceful existence. I hope. I trust that he has sufficient funds for the next thirty or thirty-five years to enjoy life. And and despite what people might think, I wish him. I wish him eternal happiness from this point on. I know the last few years have certainly been difficult for him and for his family, so I wish Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, and all members of the family and all members of the their team, you know, whether it was the team in, in New York State government or Chris Cuomo's team at CNN, I just wish everyone the best. Just leave us alone. It's 1128. I think that's fair. Just leave us alone. Enjoy your lives. We wish you the best. Stay healthy. Be happy. Leave us alone. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Hey gang, 1131 with Bob Joseph, live on WNBF on your Wednesday morning. We're taking the calls, 607-772-1290. Do you dare to participate on News Radio WNBF? I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I don't see the right thing, but it must have used the wrong line. Let's get a call from the town of Dickinson, Beverly. Hello. Hey, what's up, Beverly? Well, I got a I got a feeling that Trump's going to get out of all this stuff. They, I don't know. He he don't let anybody knock him down. He he stands right up, and I think he's going to get out of all this mess. Oh, I'm sure he will. I mean, he's, uh, some people might call him Teflon Don. Nothing really sticks to him. Nope. No, 
No, I mean, which, you know, he's he's almost like one of those magicians you would see on late night TV and one of those uh, cheap talk shows. Oh, yeah. But I certainly am fascinated by the process. You have to admit, it's interesting. It is. But, I, but, but look at Como. All that, st- all that stuff that he was accused of, what? They dropped it. Well, what could you do? I mean, the guy finally quit, so I think some people decided, hey, he quit. You know, why go after the guy when he's down? Well, they're probably still going after him. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. A few people would like to see justice done, but most people, like I said uh, a few minutes ago, just leave. Leave us alone. Just leave us alone. And again, I don't mean it in a mean way. I mean it in a very constructive, positive way. Enjoy your lives. Uh, I would say uh, Andrew Cuomo still has another 40 or 50 years to live. Chris Cuomo is a bit younger, so he could probably live another 60 years. Just enjoy your lives. Just leave us out of it. That's right. You know, that's all I ask. I want them to enjoy full Lies. Why don't they get uh, decent jobs, decent, better-paying jobs than the ones they had, and uh, work in the private sector, or, or maybe, maybe check with um, charitable organizations, or maybe some kind of religious group that they could hire them. Right. You know that wouldn't that be good? Just, just don't bother us. Am I right? Right. Okay. Thank you. That's all I want. Just don't bother us. Joan from Binghamton. Good morning. Yes, good morning, good morning. I, you were talking about real estate values. I seem to remember a while ago um, someone telling me about uh, real estate and saying that really the only sure value of any piece of real estate is what it's sold for. So everything else is conjecture. So estimating the value of real estate is, you know, not a hard science, you might say. Just a... Um, you know, guesswork. I mean, a Walmart could be built across the street from you, and all of a sudden your property's uh, quote unquote worth uh, five times what it was, uh, you know, the day before they announced that the Walmart was going to be built across the street from you. It's true. Look at people in the town of Vestal who lucked out decades ago when they just happened by chance to own one or two parcels on what became the Vestal Parkway and uh, relatively small pieces of property along the Parkway Corridor suddenly became worth a lot of money. Some of the most valuable property in Broome County is along Route 434. Yeah, it's not really a hard science like saying, you know, somebody, uh, you know, ran you down or this person did this or did that, Um, you know, and, and things could change on a dime. You can't take back a murder, but you can take back your real estate value, I guess, depending on, as you said, you know, what, uh, where it is and what happens around you and what, what time. I mean, in one day, 24 hours, it could change. It sure could. Sure you know, could. Well, and a, a similar logic can apply even to things called collectibles. Some people say, oh, oh yeah. I, have, um, I have a baseball trading card from 1953. And I think it's worth $3 million. Well, 
You can think that till you find somebody willing to pay you $3 million for that card. It's effectively worthless. I mean, not literally worthless, but effectively worthless until you find someone who actually has access to $3 million and says, hey, I would like to purchase that 1953 baseball card. I have $3 million. Can I purchase it from you? Then you know exactly what it's worth. Yeah, it's like getting people to uh, invest money to uh, drill an oil well someplace. No, I mean, should you be... Should there be taxes on uh, prospective uh, possibilities of that uh, hitting gold or, you know, in the way of oil? Or should it just be valued as this, you know, piece of, you know, know-nothing property that, uh, you know, might or might not have something of value on it? That is true. All this kind of stuff could be spread far and wide. You know, I mean, it could be... uh, that's why the conjecture for, you know, value of real estate gets into a very, uh, it's nice to talk about and nice to say you want to convict somebody of something like that, but that's, you know, that gets really far and wide. I know. That's what's the, real and what's not real. You know, you know? If the prosecutors are really trying to build a case out of something like this. They have they have their work cut out for them. That's why he's probably going to skate. I don't, I don't see, unless there's a lot more that they actually have than what they've let on. I don't see any way they're going to get a a conviction on that case in New York. Maybe they have a lot more evidence as they've um, acquired, you know, during their investigation. But I I would say it's going to be a very, very tough case to prove. I appreciate your call. All righty. 1138 WNBF, we are the station that is here for you with Bob Joseph from 9 to noon every weekday morning. We're broadcasting over the air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM and always streaming at WNBF.com. is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the noise and the hurry seems to help i know downtown just listen to the music of the traffic in the city linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty how can you lose the lights so much brighter there you can't forget all your troubles Joseph in downtown Binghamton, where everything's waiting for you. So just stop downtown, and uh, you'll be glad you did. It is one of Binghamton's best, best locations. So as we look back on history, I know some people have made reference to um, what transpired a year ago, and to me, it doesn't seem possible that... A year has actually elapsed since that uh, precious moment when Andrew Cuomo 
shocked us all. I mean, I, I of course, as you know, I am not a betting man. But if I were, I would have bet that Andrew Cuomo would never, ever, 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 ever quit. And so it was around this time, I think it was right before noon on August 10th, 2021, that the uh, governor of New York surprised me and about 19 million other New Yorkers when he said this. I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. Even now, hearing it, it just it sends chills up my spine because it doesn't seem like something that he would ever do. And yet he did that. I think, it seems to me, I'm trying to remember if we actually carried his news conference live. It's all hazy to me. Because he had been holding so many news conferences, I think we did carry it live, and I think it went past noon. And Actually, it may have been just like a moment or so past noon. The thing about the news conference, as I recall, it began with his attorney, Rita Glavin. And so she gives this presentation, boo, 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 at the news conference to fire back at what she and her client deemed to have been an inaccurate review by the New York State Attorney General. And so at the start of the news conference, she, Rita Glavin, disputed several complaints that were made by the 11 women who had accused Governor Cuomo of sexual harassment. The attorney slammed the report put out by Tis James and subsequent news coverage. She accused them of exaggerating inaccurate details in an effort to tarnish Andrew Cuomo's image. The media frenzy contributed to what the report was, which was the investigators acted as the prosecutors, the judge, and the jury of Governor Cuomo. So that is how the news conference began. So there was every indication that Andrew Cuomo would not stop fighting. If anything, he was going to dig himself in for the battle of his lifetime to save his job and save his reputation. And his attorney, Rita Glavin, certainly with all the statements she made, gave every impression that they had only just begun to fight. He's been convicted in the media and the assembly. Most of the members have made up their mind without hearing the other side. Well, that may actually have been true. I think a lot, I don't know if most, yeah, probably most members of the state assembly had made up their mind. And maybe that wasn't fair to Andrew Cuomo. Maybe... They should have slowed down the process. At any rate, at his news conference, shortly after announcing that he was going to leave early, still Andrew Cuomo maintained his innocence. He said his lawyers did raise serious issues, and 
acknowledged or what you know he talked more about the flaws he had with the attorney general's report but he also admitted that at times his behavior was too familiar and may have made some people uncomfortable i thought a hug and putting my arm around a staff person while taking a picture was friendly but she found it to be too forward I kissed a woman on the cheek at a wedding, and I thought I was being nice, but she felt that it was too aggressive. So, yes, he took it. Uh, took the opportunity after announcing he would quit in two weeks. He took the opportunity to again give the impression that he didn't intentionally do anything wrong. And even now, a year later, he probably still holds to that statement that he did not intentionally do anything wrong. Well, he's certainly free to maintain that. It's 1148. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. I'm Vince. I'm Joseph on a Wednesday morning at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. She's got something that moves my soul, and she knows I'd love to love her, but she lets me down every time. Can't make her mine. She's no one's lover tonight. With me, she'll be so invited. I want her all for myself. Slim 52, WNBF, WNBF.com. Oh, boy. He took the fifth. He took the fifth. At any rate, uh, last I knew, Donald Trump's legal team had uh, refused to release the um, text of the search warrant. I think if they want to clarify anything about what happened at Mar-a-Lago this week, I think they could go a long way by um, releasing the full, unredacted search warrant. Just, hey, they give it to you. Release it. Release it. Be transparent. Show us. Show us what they were looking for, and that way we can judge whether they may have had a good reason to be there. Or at least it would help us judge. It wouldn't make it perfect, but it would be useful, in my opinion. It would be very useful if they would just release the info. Show me the search warrant, Mr. Trump. Show me. Let me review and see what it was that some judge thought was so darn important that a search warrant was issued. So if if there was evidence that Mr. Trump improperly removed documents that belonged to the people of the United States of America, and more specifically the National Archives, if 
if items were improperly taken from the White House down to Mar-a-Lago, that certainly would be a federal case. I can't take items that belong to the American people. I can't take them and put them in boxes in my house or put them in my safe. So, you know, why should he? Yeah. He was an employee of the federal government. He had no right to take any documents that belong to we the people, if he did. I'm not saying he did. If he did, he would have a lot of explaining to do. And maybe that's why the search warrant was issued. It's 11.55. Bob Joseph just talking about what may be going on on WNBF and WNBF.com. Almost three. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for listening. This is News Radio, WNBF Binghamton.